So are we chosen? And if we are, is that, um, isn't, doesn't that give the anti-Semites a kind of opening? Should we tell people that we're chosen? Should we keep it quiet? And if we are, what then does it mean to be chosen? Is that racist? Is that elitist? Is that okay? So let me start by reading you a translation in English, because Torah, of course, is in Hebrew, from this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah reading, this is what Moses tells the people. He tells them, you have selected Hashem this day to be your God and to walk in His ways, to observe His statutes, His commandments, His ordinances, and to obey Him. And Hashem has selected you this day to be His treasured people as He spoke to you, so you shall observe all His commandments, and to make you supreme above all the nations that He made, so that you will have praise, a distinguished name and glory, and so that you will be a holy people to Hashem your God as He spoke. How does that sound? You think we're chosen? God. God says that He has chosen us. He's made us not just chosen. He's made us supreme above all the nations that He made. That's, this is from the Torah. This is a translation of the words of the Torah. A distinct that you'll have praise, a distinguished name and glory, and be a holy people to Hashem your God. But it wasn't an argument. I mean, only Moses was talking. Was Moses nobody, tells this to us. Him. Nobody was arguing with Him. Nobody no, challenged nobody Him. Was. Nobody so challenged that. That was the word. This is what the Torah tells us. This is what Moses told us. This is in the Torah, and for that matter, um, anyone who believes in whatever translations of our Torah um, have it in their book too, because it's, it's there. Do you think there would be a different reaction if, if the word chosen were not used, but the actual translation were used? Here's a prayer that we say on the holidays. Very good question. Here's a prayer we say on the holidays. Every holiday we say this prayer, You have chosen us from all the nations. You love us and desire us. You lift us, lifted, lifted us above the other nations and sanctified us with your commandments. Our King, you have brought us close to serve you. Your great and holy name is always called upon us. You have chosen us from all the nations. In fact, Moses earlier in the Torah says very explicitly, Becha, Bachar, Hashem, Elokecha, God has chosen in you from all the nations. So the term that we are chosen is used very explicitly, both in the Torah, very explicitly in our prayers. And there are similar statements of us being God's chosen people, us being God's distinguished people, not just chosen, but as we said, supreme above all the nations that he made, Um, distinguished, and similar terms making us very unique, found both in the five books of Moses, the Torah, in our scripture, and in all of our many books of Judaism and our prayers, we have this theme again and again and again. There is no doubt that we believe, as Kim said before, that God has chosen us from all the people on earth as his chosen, treasured, and holy people. There's no question that that is central to our belief. It is found in Torah many, many times. And it's very clear in this week's Torah reading. So, what does that mean? Yes? I was thinking that... uh 
understanding that we as Jewish people are chosen, my, um, the way that I discuss it is that we're not chosen just to be chosen, we're chosen to carry God's law throughout history, throughout eternity. Because human beings, by nature, we are wild and, you know, whatever we want to do, whatever we want to do. It's the commandments and the rules of law that keeps us in check. So we are associated with that, and so therefore, humanity needs us. Absolutely, absolutely. So what does it mean that we're chosen? God refers to us by many, many unique names and titles throughout. At the beginning of Exodus, God tells Moses, go to Pharaoh and say, Israel is my firstborn son. I have other children, lots of them, but Israel, meaning the people, they're my firstborns. They're my special ones. And that's why Moses says, I'm going to kill all your firstborns. Because you're harming my firstborn. God um, took us out of Egypt so that we stand out and we be his unique people. When he took us out of Egypt and brought us to Sinai, he tells Moses that he wants to make a covenant with our people. And he tells Moses, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I will make you unique. I will make you distinguished. I will make you special. In what way? How will I make you unique, special, distinguished, holy? By making a covenant with me. What makes us unique? What makes us special? What makes us chosen? We were chosen for a covenant with God. We have a special Covenant is a fancy word. The simple word is a deal. We made a special deal with God. The Hebrew word is a Brit. We made a special deal. We're called B'nai Brit, members of the covenant. We made a special deal with God. And we made this deal when we stood at Sinai. So God took us out of Egypt with the intention of making this deal with us. And then went to Moses and said, would you tell us the people would they like to make a deal with us? Now, there is a Midrash that says that God went around to the other nations and he asked them, oh, would you like my Torah? Would you like to make the deal with me? And they all said no. Now, how God actually went to them, did God actually, they have prophets that God spoke to, we don't know. I think it's clear regardless, whatever that Midrash means, it is clear that when God took us out of Egypt, it is clear that we were taken out with the intention of becoming his chosen people. So he intended for us to be his chosen people. And to be chosen in what way? To have this unique covenant with him. That is how we are chosen. Chosen to be the members of the covenant. What does this covenant entail? It entails God giving us Torah, which means instructions. To The Hebrew word Torah comes from the Hebrew word Hora'ah, which means instructions. God gave us instructions, which include specific things that we're supposed to do. We accepted those instructions. We follow those instructions. In exchange, we became his chosen people. That's the deal. And we also, as part of the deal, get his promised land. This role, this chosenness, this special covenant that we've given later, the prophet Isaiah tells us, 
is also has a role to the rest of the world. And Isaiah mentions this multiple times, that we are meant to be an or legoyim nesatich. I have made you a light to the nations. So you are supposed to be a light and you are supposed to be, you are chosen not just to follow specific instructions I have given you, but also through that to be a light to everybody else and illuminate the world. Why did he choose us? Why did he select us to be members of his covenant? Why didn't he accept in the uh, Torah tells us in Noah that there were 70 nations descendant from Noah, 70 original tribes, He could have chosen any of those 70. Why did he choose us of all to be his people? They did turn him down. But whatever that Midrash means, it's definitely clear that he never really meant to give it to them. He meant to give it to us. But why? Why did he choose us? We were put in prison, we were enslaved in Egypt, but we actually were enslaved in Egypt, not that he chose us because we were slaves and therefore he chose us, but to the contrary, he made us slaves with the intention of taking us out and choosing us. Right, but it it gave this group of people who had really nowhere to look up for help, some help, and they all followed him, so they decided it was probably going to be easier to be... Right, so the slavery was a prelude to being chosen. But why did he choose us? Yes, Adam. Well, he made a promise to uh, Abraham. Excellent. So the Torah tells us very clearly, and uh, Moses tells this later when he's admonishing the people at the end of his life. He says, don't think that there's anything that you did for which you deserve to be, to be chosen by God. There was nothing that you did. In fact, you didn't deserve it, Moses says. Pretty, pretty, um, uh, he's pretty blunt about it. You didn't deserve it. The only reason God chose you is because of your ancestors. Your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they were individuals that recognized God in an idolatrous world and walked before God, as the Torah says, and followed God and promoted God's existence in the world. And because of their uniqueness and their unique relationships with God, God promised them, made a deal with them, that he will choose their descendants as his unique people. So why were we chosen? Not because of any accomplishment of our own, not our the individuals who were brought out of Egypt, rather because of their ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your descendants will be my unique people. Now, Abraham and Isaac both had other descendants, other children um, that did not follow in their path. Jacob, all of his children did. And so that that promise God told Isaac, the promise I gave Abraham is only going to continue through you and not through your brothers. God told Jacob, the promise I gave your father is going to continue through you and not through your brother. And so God promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that he will choose their descendants, who later became known as the Bnei Yisrael, the children of Israel, um, eventually known as Jews, um, and he will choose us as his chosen people. So that's why he chose us, because of our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's why he sent us to Egypt. That's why he took us out of Egypt. That's why he brought us to Sinai. He gave us the option, would you like the deal? We said yes. 
we accepted the deal, and we in that way, God then appeared to us, to our entire people, our ancestors, to the entire nation at Sinai, said the Ten Commandments to them, so everybody saw him. The Ten Commandments was a little bit much for them, they couldn't handle it. They said, Moses, you know what, you go get the rest of them, we'll, um, you then tell whatever else there is to us. Um, we can't. We don't want to hear the rest from God. But with that, we got all the Torah, all the instructions, and in that, we became God's chosen people. So that is how we are chosen. Yes. Um, I wonder how that can be reconciled with the, for example, with the chosen people, uh, the Holocaust, for example, was God was God sleeping that night, or what, why why does that happen? That is an excellent question. If we are God's chosen people, why have we suffered? And we have suffered. There's no question that we have suffered throughout history, and we have suffered again and again, and we've gone through a very long, some of you, um, those of you that were at our class on Tisha B'Av, we, we went through a long list of persecution that we suffered over the years. Um, we've had many, many, many instances of suffering, and ultimately, we don't know why God has made his chosen people suffer. We definitely have suffered. We don't know why. We're told that we will go to exile for not following God's commandments, which we did. We were driven out of our land and went to exile. That exile entailed over 2,000 years much suffering. Where God's chosen people, how he allows for it, ultimately, we don't know. Um, and it really leads to a bigger question of how God allows for evil to happen. But we do know this, that despite our suffering, and despite us not having our own land, and despite being a very small people, always persecuted, we're still here today. And we're still here to tell the tale. And there's no way we would have survived the way the Talmud puts it. We're like a sheep among 70 wolves. And if not for the shepherd, there's no way we would have survived. Unless we're God's chosen people, there's the greatest miracle of history is our very existence. There's no other way to explain why we are still here. And so many great writers and thinkers um, have wondered about it. Mark Twain famously wrote about um, the amazement of how we are still here and still making an impact. Um, so that perhaps is evidence that we are, but ultimately we don't know why we've suffered so much. Uh, yes. yes, I am a chosen person. In 1901, my family was living in Schlug and Truckenbrud. In 1951, they were living in Bel Air. We must have been chosen, <laughs> period. Fair enough, we're a chosen person. Yeah. What's the question? What's your That's question? The, no, I was we ultimately don't know why bad things happen. Yes, we, ha we have been chosen. Um, some of us are luckier than others. There's no question yes. about that. Which leads us to our next point. So is being chosen, so we are chosen, we are unique, we are distinguished. And um, so what does that mean? Now, if there are non-Jews amongst us, and we live in a society, non-Jews all around us, we're a minority, of course. Um, what does that mean for them? Aren't we being racist, or at least elitist, um, by claiming that we are somehow better than everybody else, supreme, distinguished, unique, special, all terms that the Torah uses to describe us, is that not racist or at least elitist? That's why they hate us, right? Shouldn't we be uncomfortable with being, um, today they have check your white privilege, shouldn't we check our Jewish privilege? 
being chosen? Um, shouldn't we feel um, maybe, and many Jews do. Honestly, many Jews do. I've heard from many people many times. Many Jews feel very uncomfortable about this claim that we all know that our tradition, our Torah, that everyone else happens to believe in also, but our Torah believes that we are the chosen people. So we feel, a lot of Jews feel very uncomfortable about it, and shouldn't we? Well, the, you know, the non-Jews uh, have it in their heads that the Jews have become very, very, very successful. And I think they've held that idea for, for a long time. It's so good for us. Okay. Do we hate Navy SEALs because it's hard to become one, and they do an assignment that none of us are capable very good of point. doing? That's really what a Jew is. Very good point. So firstly, firstly, we clearly don't like the word racist because racist has been a source of much evil. Um, the concept of that one group is better than another group because of their race has led to much evil, particularly the Holocaust and um, Nazism, has led to a lot of evil in this, con- in this country as well. It's led to slavery and um, uh, all sorts of other racist laws. And so racism has definitely caused um, a lot of problems. So it's something that we definitely want to keep away from. Um, Judaism is not racist in any way. We don't believe that Jews are a particular race or a race better than anyone else. In fact, um, we don't believe that Jews are necessarily genetically Jews that are of Jewish stock, because as we'll see, Jews don't have to be of Jewish genetic background. Um, But we don't believe that even Jews that have a long genetic history are ethnically Jewish, um, are of necessarily any better genes than anybody else. In fact, our Jewish traditions make it very, very clear, and um, Moses makes it very clear that you are no smarter and no better than anybody else. Um, You're um, physically, you have no physical advantages over anybody else. Um, It does not... They say Jews are smarter. Um, I don't know if there's any hard evidence for that or it's just one of those things they say. Jews have definitely been high achievers over the years. Um, there may be a lot of reasons for that if their IQ is necessarily I don't know. But um, we don't believe that Jews, and definitely it's not true for every Jew, and it wouldn't be fair just to, when you see a certain individual, say they're Jewish, they must be smart because there's a lot of not smart Jews. And there's a lot of not smart, there's a lot of not wealthy, there's a lot of Jews that aren't wealthy either. So we do not believe that Jews are physically different in any way in our brains, in our genetic makeup, than any other person on earth. And we have never made such a claim otherwise. The one thing there is, I should, ta- I should just qualify that, there is one thing or three things the Talmud says that Jews are genetically different to other people, and that, in other words, Jews from um, the original Jewish, um, the original Jewish people, the original children of Israel, and that is that we have, in our nature, we're very merciful and kind, to the point that when there was a tribe called Givonim that converted to Judaism, and were they acted cruelly in the days of King David, the Sanhedrin forbade other Jews from marrying into their tribe because they said they're not, they have bad genes, they're cruel. Jewish genes are kind. I've always perceived or believed that the reason that Jews excel is because of the tradition we learn. Possibly. The study uh, has been ingrained in us and the 
fact that we go about it diligently um, gives us the tools to be able to receive it. Very possibly. Again, um, other than this kindness and mercy, there is no, we don't believe that Jews have any unique genetic qualities um, that make us different um, or better, better or worse than anybody else. Um, yes? Uh, well, genetically, the Jewish people, there's a tendency uh, to um, inherit uh, Tay-Sachs or different types of There may be diseases among Jews. Tay-Sachs. We don't know among certain groups of Jews, absolutely. Look, we, we don't claim that Jews are any better or worse than any other group genetically. Um, we never have. We have never made such a claim before. Um, we also don't believe that Jews are better than anybody else in any material description. In other words, stronger, smarter, um, more cunning, um, wealthier, or anything of the sort. We do not believe that. What about appearance? Do we look different? Yes. Jews themselves look different from each yeah. other. Yeah, well, no, I understand that. But like the uh, Chinese people, there's a certain have a look. And Semantic people look. I t- tend to identify Jewish people with certain... Well, as we're going to see, Jews are not necessarily of a single race because... People join the Jewish people throughout history. So it's not, not necessarily. I mean, there are plenty of Asian Jews today, and there are plenty of um, African Jews today. And, I mean, one, one is not... Um, what, they're, they're, Jews are not necessarily of a certain gene or race. Yes? Rabbi, how about religions that have Judaism as the basis, but they're no longer Jews? Are those also descendants of the Jews and chosen or not? No. No, we're chosen. How about all these names that come out of Trump's organization constantly? And every one of them is Jewish, Let's, Jewish, Jewish. I'm not going to respond. <laughs> so, so now, yes. 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 So I don't know if it's the kindness, but I heard it more. You know what? We Jews, like every other people, have, have, have had our share of bigotry. It's, there's no question about that. Um, Jews, um, anybody who grew up in, uh, which most of us did, in urban areas um, where we grew up with other races and other groups, are, if we grew up 50, 60 years ago when there were tendencies to be racist, most urban Jews were racist. There's no question about that. We had our bigotry. I'm not denying that Jews were bigots over the years. Um, without a doubt, we have been. And there are many Jews today that still may have, may be, may individually be, have bigotry. Judaism does not make those claims, though. I was just going to say, you know, all religions and all races, there's cultural differences, there's sociology, there's all of that. Nobody's saying that you look different or you act different because you're Jewish. Every religion and every culture within it acts different. Right. And a lot of Jewish culture, this is important, a lot of Jewish culture is not really Jewish culture, but adopted country of origin culture. So a lot of things that we associate with Jewish foods for Ashkenazic Jews from Eastern Europe are really just Eastern European foods. And Sephardic Jews, the Jews from Iran, they have different foods that are really more Iranian foods. And so in that way, a lot of the things that we associate as culturally Jewish are really not all that culturally Jewish at all. So, yes... We excelled. The most educated, and they, they have businesses and they take care of 
That may not be genetic, though. That may well not be genetic. Absolutely. There's no question about that. So it doesn't speak for everyone. Just because you're born Jewish doesn't, matter, doesn't mean you're going to achieve. There's a lot of people that are born Jewish and do all sorts of things. So, so now, because of the horrors of racism um, that we've seen, especially in the 20th century, um, the liberal response to the horrors of racism has been to see everyone as equal. And this has really been um, part of liberal values um, already from Enlightenment period um, that the French Revolution was built on, that our own country was built on, seeing everyone as equal. No one person is better than anyone else. And so for many people, the very concept of being a chosen member of the chosen people, um, a lot of people struggle with that simply because it clearly goes against the basic liberal value of seeing every single person as equal. And that is definitely a liberal value. It's a value that this country was built on, although not always did this country adhere to. Um, it was a country that uh, it was a value that um, was always um, central to Western values, to Western Enlightenment values. Um, but we Jews, believing that we are the chosen people, um, do not entirely um, follow that value. And the truth is everybody recognizes that the value of everyone being equal is not entirely true. Some people are clearly better off. Um, someone gave this example a moment ago. Stephen gave this example a moment ago. Some people are better off by virtue of their own intellect. Some people are clearly better off based on the virtue of their own talents. Many others are better off by the virtue of family that they were born into or by virtue of the place they were born. Clearly, people are better off um, and are treated better in life um, because of all these things that they didn't do on their own, the gifts that were given to them, intellect, talents, family, where they lived, um, or all sorts of other gifts that were given to them in whether before they were born or in their lifetime. And clearly, people are not truly equal. People are not truly the same. Definitely, some people have more opportunity than others. People have advantages over others. Um, the problem, and so to ignore those advantages would be foolish. Clearly, some have advantages over others. It would be even more foolish to try to take away those advantages. It would be a great idea to improve the disadvantages of those who are disadvantaged. But those who are advantaged, it would be foolish to take away the advantages that those that have advantages are given. It would be foolish to take those away. Um, I was tempted when they had those 99% um, demonstrations. Um, what were they called? Um, I was tempted to go with a sign, I'm the 1%. <laughs> yes. because uh, wouldn't that be great and um, that we could all be right we could all be the 1% help other people help everybody rise to the top rather than bringing down those at the top so we Jews definitely do not believe in the liberal value of trying to equalize everyone and make everyone the same I don't think too many people truly believe in it and um and rather, we believe that we should recognize advantages that individuals were given 
um, whether they did it on their own, their own hard work, or even that they were given that they were born with, and try to make the most of the advantages you have, and try to help those that are disadvantaged, and try to help make up for those disadvantages. The problem with racism or even elitism is not that some are better than others. The problem is why are they better, right? Is it just because of their genes? Is that really a reason someone should be better? Should they be better by virtue of their race even if they're not smarter, not more talented, have nothing going for them other than they happen to be fair skin? So the why is very important. Why are you better? And more importantly is the response. So what? You're better and therefore what? Take for example, if you're better and therefore you're going to harm others, hurt others, that's a horrible thing. That's a dangerous thing. But what if you're better and going to help others? Take for example, a belief that was very common in the 19th century and still very popular today, American exceptionalism. And I'm not going to get into a discussion about whether that's correct or incorrect. I wasn't born in this country, so I might have a different um, perspective than everybody else on it, right? The belief of American exceptionalism can be very harmful. It could lead to imperialism, and it did, right? Or it could lead to an attempt to harm others that are not like us, and it did over our history. Or it can be a very positive thing. It could lead us to see a responsibility. In the, while in the 19th century, it may have led to some good, some bad. Um, it led to some imperialism um, and some harm of others, um, at least the second half of the 20th century. It's led to a need to feel a responsibility for others. The need to feel ourselves our country as the greatest and most powerful country um, to have existed at least for a very long time um, and with an uniqueness, an exceptional country, as a responsibility to be a force for good in the world. And we have been over the years, in the last, uh, definitely in the last few decades. So believing that our country is exceptional is only problematic if that's going to lead us to harm others. It's going to lead us to try to rule over others, try to hurt others. But if it's going to lead us to feel a responsibility to be the shining city on the hill and to be the, um, if it's going to lead us to be, feel a responsibility to help others and, be, and improve the lives of others and be there and feel responsible for others, then that's a good thing. It's going to lead to good. So a lot depends not only on whether, it depends why, but also where is it leading? What is it doing? Yes? What about bringing in immigrants the way we were immigrants and bringing in, and continuing to bring in immigrants? That's a great question and a question for a subject class. for another class. What does that have to do with defining what exceptionalism is? I don't want to get into a discussion of American exceptionalism at all. I'm just giving it a, using it as an example of something, a sense of elitism, in other words, a sense of being better that can and has been used for bad and can and has been used for good. 
depending on how it's used. It varies very much on how it's used. So, if you, so we don't believe everybody's equal. We don't believe that we should attempt to equalize everybody. We don't have a problem with someone believing that they are given advantages over others. So long as, A, those advantages are legitimate. They're, in other words, it's a real advantage, not just based on the color of their skin. And secondly, that they're using that as a force for good, not as a force for bad. Yes, Stephen? So, I think it's, um, it's complex, and that's why people don't like it. Uh, there's a saying, the way, way to hell is paved with good intentions. And so, Wilsonian democracy was one of the ideas, bring democracy to the world. The... George Bush, the second administration in Iraq, etc. The idea being that we are going to create opportunities. The same thing with Israel, with the with the Gaza, and opening it up to democracy. There is we have a Torah that has certain value lines, but that Torah, with different constituencies, if we are the light to the nations, they rebel. They rather have mind comes and say. You're squashing me. Goodbye. Look, we've made mistakes. Are you referring to the mistakes we've made with our American exceptionalism? There's no question we've made mistakes. Um, I think what matters more is what the... And everyone's going to make mistakes. No one's perfect. I think what matters more is what we do, uh, what, our, what our attitude is. Are we trying to help others? Or trying to, are we better than others and therefore want to help everybody? Or are we better than others and therefore want to control others? I mean, it makes, it makes a very big difference. Um, and so believing that our country, for example, is exceptional is only problematic if the result is going to be to harm others. Um, race was terrible, not only because it's wrong. Um, you're no better than others just because of the color of your skin if everything else about you makes you inferior. Um, I think there was one fellow who said that he, um, 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 he, drove, in, he drove to, he was in, um, I forget, the, he, he was driving up in his Cadillac um, with his thousand um, dollar suit, and he meets these um, you know white um, low um, low class people coming up in their broken down um, car and um, overalls, and he thinks these people and these people think they 're better than him right because simply by virtue of their color skin. Now, who's to judge who's better and who's worse? Ultimately, we never know. And there are many things. I mean, someone could be wealthier, but they may not be better in character, right? But definitely, color skin is not something that should um, impact um, that should impact at all the way we the way we judge or what we see as better or worse. But at the same time, there are things that are legitimately make someone better, someone smarter. It makes them better in the fact that they'll be able to get ahead. They'll be able to do more. So we believe, but it depends what you're going to do with that. Being smarter, if that's going to be used to put down others, then that's harmful. Being smarter, if that's going to be used to give, use your gifts to help others, that's excellent. Recognize your gifts and use them to help others. So didn't the Jews engage in wars of conquest? <coughs> That's a question for <coughs> Yes, we did in ancient times. There's no question about it. We did, ga- um, we did engage in wars of conquest. I would submit that all those wars were more defensive. In other words, they weren't imperialist in the classical sense. So they were wars to <coughs> secure our borders. We did not ever try to spread Judaism. There's a common myth out there that I hear all the time that Jews once believed in... Um, in proselytizing, and it is not true. There is not a shred of evidence that Jews ever proselytized. 
But there were offensive wars under King David. There was... There were offensive wars, but they were offensive wars to secure the border. There was one time when one Jewish king forced another group to convert to Judaism, King Yanai, and that was an exception, and it was wrong, and the sages at the time believed it was wrong, and um, we didn't believe that conversion was legitimate. Sorry? Yes. Subject for itself. Yes. Yes, we did have, we, we definitely did. So getting back to our belief, we do believe that God chose our people for a unique mission, for a unique covenant and a unique relationship with him. We do believe we have that unique relationship with him. And we believe it gives us unique responsibility to ourselves, unique responsibility that we ourselves have to fulfill, unique responsibility that it gives others. We don't believe that's an excuse to put others down whatsoever. In fact, the Torah is very clear, and Jewish law is very clear. Jews are forbidden from harming others in any way. In fact, we are required to help others, and we are required to teach others. We do not proselytize. We don't, try to, we don't need others to join our covenant. But we do, um, we do try to help others, and we do try to teach others, and we do want to teach others our values, and that's what we mean that we're a light to the nations. We do want to teach our values to others. And so rather than, so yes, have non-Jews felt that hurt by us being offended, by us being chosen, perhaps uh, more likely it was an excuse they disliked us for other reasons, and this was one of the many excuses they've used. But rather than feeling harmed by our belief in being chosen, non-Jews should um, feel the good that we have to offer them. We are, yes, we believe we have a unique mission, but we're here to help. We're not here to um, put them down. We're not here to um, put ourselves up or to brag, or to harm anyone else in any way. To the contrary, we're here to help others. We're here to lend a handing, uh, to uh, build a lending hand. And indeed, Jews do help others. And we have throughout our history. We've always been there at the forefront of, orga- of kindness, organizations to help others, charity for Jews and for non-Jews. In the shtetls and the towns, Jews had organizations to help others that provided help both to Jews as well as to non-Jews, and we always have. And of course, if any non-Jew ever feels left out, they always have the option to join. We're not exclusive, right? We are, we're open to anyone, and anyone has the option to join, and indeed, many people have joined our covenant over the years. There's no question we are not, as we said before, we're not a race, we're not a unique ethnic group. Any person can join God's covenant. Anyone who wants to follow, accept the instructions and follow the commandments has that option to join God's covenant. So what then is our responsibility? So we do believe we are God's chosen people. There's no question about that. It's a central belief in Judaism that we are chosen by God, chosen for, to be given God's instructions and follow those instructions for a covenant with God and be a light to all the nations. Um, that doesn't, that while we do believe that gives us an advantage and makes us unique, we don't believe that's meant to harm anyone else or put anyone else down. To the contrary, that's meant to use our advantages to lift others up. So what then is our responsibility being chosen? What are our responsibilities? So we were chosen by God to dedicate our lives to him. Earlier, Annette mentioned that before, prior to choosing us, God made us slaves in Egypt. Why did he make us slaves in Egypt? So Moses tells us. He made us slaves in Egypt to train us in the art of slavery. 
He wanted us to practice slavery in order that later we should come out of Egypt to be slaves to him. And in fact, when Moses originally told Pharaoh, I'm going to take them out of Egypt, let my people go so that they may serve me. And later God tells, um, tells Moses tells the people, you, God took you out of Egypt from being slaves to Pharaoh to being slaves to him. And what we mean by that is our covenant with God means not just that God said, live a good life and here's a couple things I'd like you to do. You want to have a good life? Here's a couple tips. Here's a couple things. Here's a couple great ideas. Go to shul every once in a while. Do a couple other mitzvahs here and there. And um, that will make me happy and that will make you happy. So it's not just that God says, I have a few good ideas for you. When God chose us, God chose us to dedicate our lives to God. We are chosen to serve God. That is what we were created for. We were created, every Jew was chosen by God to serve him and dedicate his life to him. Every human being is expected to be a good person. Every human being has basic instructions that God has given all of humanity to be good people. But they don't need to dedicate their lives to God. Every Jew is chosen by God to dedicate their lives to God. Now that doesn't mean that we cannot live every other part of life as well. But God designed Judaism in a way that it involves every single part of our lives. Whatever you're going to do, whether it's what you're eating, whether it's what you're wearing, whether it's how you're speaking, where you're working, everything you are doing, God has instructions of how you're going to do it. And so it's part of every part of your life. So when we, God chose us, God chose, chose us for a unique role to live a godly life. We have to put God and his instructions in front of everything we do. We live our lives. God wanted us and God's instructions was not to leave a, live a hermetic life, live a life dedicated to meditation and prayer. God's instructions were rather live in the land that I give you, or live when you're out of the land, out of the land, and work and do whatever you're supposed to do and have hobbies and do whatever you're meant to do. But here are the, here's the way you're going to do it. Everything that you do, you're going to do it with my instructions. You're going to do it with this way. So that is what we are meant to do. So now, should we mention the fact that we are chosen? Absolutely. It's important to know the fact that we are chosen. If a Jew wants to know, why should I be Jewish? Why should I marry Jewish? Why should I raise my children Jewish? Because we're God's chosen people. That's why. We're different. We're unique. We're distinguished. We're special. And so, yes, we do have to know that we're unique. And it's the first, no, appreciating our uniqueness, being proud of that, is the very first step to make sure we don't disappear. If we don't think we're unique, if we're the exact same as everybody else, well, why should we continue being Jewish? What makes us Jewish if we're just like everybody else? How are we unique then? So we need to believe we're unique in order to ensure that we don't um, in order to ensure we don't disappear, um, we need to act and feel different. And we therefore need to be proud of who we are 
and we need to be public about who we are. Even though Jews were always persecuted and always singled out for being Jewish, we still were always very public about the fact that we were Jewish. Walking around with yarmulkes, walking around visibly Jewish, putting mezuzahs on our doors. We have special rules and special commandments to ensure not only that we are Jewish, but we're visibly Jewish. It should be clear to everybody who we are. And we should be proud of it. We should be open about it, be public about it. But we also have to appreciate how lucky we are. And every person who is a member of the 1%, rather than checking your privilege, here's a better idea. You should every day appreciate the advantages that you were given. And every day you, shall, you should think and remember, I could have just as easily not be given these advantages. And I am so lucky to have been given my intelligence, my talents, my, um, the family I was brought into, the schools I went to, the teachers I was given. I was so lucky to be given all these things. And the most I need to make the most of all these opportunities I was given and give these opportunities to others. So rather than kind of accepting it and ignoring your advantages, no, we need to appreciate it and every day be thankful for them. And every day thank God for giving them to us and therefore in turn trying to use those and bearing the responsibility that we have having been given those advantages. And the same is with every Jew. Every Jew must remember how lucky we are. There are 8 billion people here on earth. Or almost 8 billion. There are billions of people here on earth. We have always been just a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the population. Always. Sorry? Less than 1%. We're less than 1%. We're, we're the point point one percent And point oh oh one percent sorry. We're the, we're the less than 1%. We could have just as easily not been given these advantages. But we are very lucky. We are very lucky that God gave us these advantages. He chose us. He chose me and each one of us individually. We're chosen by God as being a member of his covenant. His unique, distinguished people. As we say in our prayers, and I quoted earlier, you've chosen from us, from, uh, from all the nations. You love us, you desire us, you lifted us above the other nations and sanctified us with your commandments. Or as Moses said in this week's reading, you, um, Hashem selected you, every single one of you individually. Hashem selected you to be his treasured people. Um, so that you observe his commandments and to make you supreme, praised, and distinguished. God selected you and made you unique with a unique role and responsibility. That responsibility is to follow his commandments and to be a light to all the other people. So you have, yes, you are special. Yes, you are unique. Yes, you were chosen. But that chosenness doesn't give you bragging rights. That chosenness is something that you have to be remember every single day, be aware of, be thankful, be proud of, be thankful for, and it gives you a huge responsibility. Don't squander it. 
Use what, what you have. Use the advantages that you have for yourself and for others. Follow God's commandments as He has told you to use that uniqueness that God has given you. And then, not only that, use that to help others. Lift others up. Be a light to the nations. Teach others. Show others the beauty that we have. Give others our values. Use our value of caring and kindness to help others. Do a lot for others. And that's what we've done over the last 3,000 years. And we are continuing that chain, every one of us. We have that uniqueness and something we have to remember, something we can never forget.